everybody and welcome back to the second season now of Bench Busted where Jack and I talk about our FPL teams as always joined by Jack. How are you doing this week Jack? Yeah not too bad, not too bad. I mean we obviously didn't get the chance to record a podcast last week because of my internet issues but we're back and we're ready and raring to go for game week five of course game week four behind us now and of course the international break and all of the uh, sort of hype around you know bringing in players and active people activating wild cards and what have you but that's been and gone now and we are back in to weekly football again. So yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I bloody honestly, every season we start and we have so much energy and then the international break comes and immediately just wipes us out with just, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. You might enjoy it. Listeners might enjoy it, but I don't. And I think it's really boring football, international football. So I'm glad that we've got some, something exciting going on again in our lives. Um, speaking of, by the way, and, I, and this is the most exciting thing this week, Jack. How did you do? How did you do this week? <laughs> well, um, as you know, Nick, I did worse than you for the first time. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> I ended up on 61 points all out. And uh, you know what? Honestly, going into you know going into that uh, Sunday game, I was feeling a bit sort of down in the dumps. You know, the big players on everyone's lips going into game week four was, of course, Ronaldo and Lukaku. And both of them returned big. Both of them getting two goals apiece in their respective games. And then, of course, uh, you know, I had Salah captain. He picked up a return. I was hoping for maybe a bit more than just one goal. And I feel like definitely if Mane had his finishing boots on in that game, then, you know, the likes of Jota and Salah would have contributed more with FPL points. But, you know, I'm happy with Trent Alexander-Arnold getting, getting an assist, keeping a clean sheet, picking up 12 points. You know, what is he? I think he's the third highest scorer in the game so far this season with 34 points and you know he definitely him and Salah seem like they are I think cementing their place in a lot of people's teams although I think they were only owned by about 25% of teams uh, owned both of them so it's uh it's it's crazy to think that only uh yeah only a quarter of the people playing the game actually have both of them because for me they are two essential players um I did of course hold on to Fernandez I just wanted to you know Give Ronaldo a bit of a look and, and, you know, not rush into to Ronaldo, which in hindsight maybe wasn't the best decision. But, you know, Fernandez returned, got a goal. Shaw picked up an assist as well. Ben White, Arsenal kept a clean sheet in the all-important uh, relegation six-pointer, as, uh, as we're calling it, against Norwich. And then, of course, Sanchez picking up a clean sheet for Brighton in a game that I was down to witness against Brentford. And, uh, I mean... Graham Scott, the referee in that game, was terrible. Brighton players spent half the time on the floor. What can you do? I mean, Tony, he, he he's cutting very much a lone figure at the moment at the top of that Brentford attack. I know that he's got Umbremo there supporting him, but he, he looks very, very lonely and he's not really getting a lot of uh, opportunities to bear down on goal. And when he is, I mean, the ball's often going out to one of the wide players and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just not working out for him at the moment. But yeah, he got me two points. Uh, Rafinha got two points. Ben Rama got me three points. Jota as well. As I say, you know, Jota created so many chances in that Liverpool game. If Mane had his finishing boots on, could have been a completely different story, but he didn't. And then, of course, I know one player that you are waiting to laugh at me about, of course, Mikel Antonio makes it all the way through that game. And right at the death, ends up picking up his second yellow card, gets a red card, gets himself sent off, gets a minus one point as well. 
Oh, my word. I mean, what can you do? I mean, he's, he's still, I think, the highest point scorer in the game, despite taking that minus one. So I'm, I'm okay. And yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not panicking too much about Antonio as I am about other areas of my team at the moment. What about you? Oh, Jack, you know what? That Antonio stuff, I, I love to see it. I'm actually so glad I stuck to my guns as well and didn't get him in. Um, what about me? Well, similar to you, similar story. Of course, I've been punting on Lukaku for a bit now. A couple of weeks into having Lukaku, and I captained him against Villa, got the 26, very happy with that. That's where, the, I guess, the bulk of the points have come from that uh, have put me ahead of you, because otherwise we're quite similar. You know, we both have Salah, we both have Jota, we both have Shaw, we both have Trent. I've got Greenwood instead of um, Bruno, who scored five points rather than eight, which was quite nice. Um, and then Ings and Jimenez continue to disappoint. The other difference, the other difference that I really like to see here is that Tierney got seven points to Ben White's five. Uh, I don't know if you clocked that, but that's my that's my zero point five mil or zero point yeah zero point five mil investment giving me a couple of extra points there. So so I finished on um seventy seven, which is okay. I mean I'm still languishing in in a lot of the leagues. I'm still not doing very well. It was very much a I'd rather have had three good weeks before this like you have than <laughs> one slightly above average week, which is what you've had really still. And um, I'm not I'm certainly not sort of uh, back on anyone's tail. But I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the football. And I think in a wider point, which is worth making, is is that I currently have just free transfers going spare. I'm, I'm making really small adjustments to my team and I'm playing a sort of a, a, a picking players for their fixtures sort of game where I'm, I'm actually just happy to take my time with it. And I'm going to just try that this season, I think, because it's gone. I haven't started very well. I might as well just try this approach and see if it gets me back into the game, you know, as a, as a sort of a way of not being too panicky and seeing if this is something that's a, a way, a profitable, a profitable way to play fantasy football. So we'll talk more about my transfers and my strategy later because I'm very keen to talk about it. I'm very keen to hear about it. But I think it's probably proper to start with a little bit of a recap, the highlights from the weekend. And I think the big one is the Antonio, the Antonio red card, right? Because you're lucky. You're lucky because there's a bunch of people who have seen his form. They've seen that he scored a 13, a 16, and what, like three double-digit hauls. And they are, they are, they've captained him. Like people have captained him out there. Some people will have triple captained him. Um, a lot of people will have taken outrageous hits to get him in after only three games when it's clearly, clearly not sustainable for him and West Ham. It's, it's, it is not possible that they're going to score what, like four goals a game. It will certainly not happen. So, I've waited on that and I'm very happy that it's worked for me. Um, some people would be upset. You've had him the whole time. Uh, what did, I don't know. What do you make of West Ham, I guess? That's, that's a wider question and, and their assets in particular. They obviously drew nil-nil with Southampton, who I've tipped for, for relegation this season, which I think is a poor result away from home, even where I think Southampton are a team that can be absolutely beaten. They've got no one that can score goals for them anymore now that Ings has left and Shea Adams is, well, Shea Adams. So I don't know. What, what what do you think of West Ham? Do you think they're dying off? What do you think of your Antonio asset as well, I suppose? As you say, I think I am very happy with the fact that I had him in from the beginning. Him and Ben Rama, you know, they served me well over the first two, three games. Ben Rama obviously blanking. I mean, I think that certainly with Antonio out for the next game, I mean, you know, bear in mind West Ham's next game is against Man United in the league this weekend. So I don't I don't see any, you know, him not playing isn't the end of the world in that game. You know, I know that United's defence haven't, haven't looked great when I mean, they have conceded a goal or two here or there, but I really don't think West Ham are going to get anything from that game anyway. And, and 
you know, not having Antonio in that side for them just, you know, weakens the opportunity for goals. And I think, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be holding on to him. Of course, West Ham now with the European fixtures coming into play. We're recording this on the Thursday uh, before game week five. And of course, they are playing this evening, I think, away from home against Dinamo Zagreb. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Antonio is not banned for the European fixtures, but there's no doubt that he will play in that because he's going to be sitting out uh, the game against Man United. But it'll be interesting to see how they approach the game against United because aside from Antonio, they don't really have a, a an out-and-out striker. I mean, they've got Yarmolenko who can play in that position and we saw him do it uh, in the European competition over the summer uh, for Ukraine. But I don't know how fit and how ready he is to be there. Obviously, we've seen Jared Bowen slot into that position in the past when Antonio has been out of action for them. So... I think from an Antonio standpoint, for me, he's a hold, sit on the bench for one week and then come back into the action for their game week six game. As far as Ben Rama's concerned, I mean, if he doesn't get anything against United, which I think is is very likely to happen anyway, I, I don't think that he's going to be, you know, banging in a goal or two against that United side. But I think that Ben Rama is looking like the player who's more at risk of exiting my team out of my two West Ham assets that I currently hold. Yeah, it's just one of those, you know. I think West Ham were maybe a bit naive, shall we say. I don't know how much David Moyes had to do with the transfer business there, but I definitely think that they should have reinforced with a backup striker, you know, someone who can fill in for Antonio during these types of situations. But as I say, I mean, I'm not... I'm not too disheartened because, as as you say, you know, I've had him in since the start of the season. He's got me a couple of prize prizes, and you know, if I have to get rid, then so be it. I mean, if he does pick up a bit of a knock this evening, and maybe if he's out for an extended period of time, then maybe it might spell the end for the West Ham assets, and it might sort of push me into activating my wild card. But you know, that remains to be seen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to to keep uh, Antonio on the bench for now. That's a, it's a good attitude to have, and I think I I like to hear it. I think if I could choose I would rather be in your position too where you've got the asset who's given you the points and, and now you have you still have the option to, to move on to well people are saying online Jimenez and Bamford and I think that that's that's a, an interesting one actually do you know what let's just get straight into that because that is another thing that's happening online at the moment right so Jimenez hasn't returned yet he's got 2-1-2-1 two, one, two, one. those are his points totals so far um, Wolves have only scored a couple of goals in total to be honest they, they lost their first three games 1-0 and they got oh my word this is going to test my memory I think they won 2-0 at, at the weekend if that's right yeah Marcel with two assists yeah Marcel with two assists against Watford and then um, Jimenez obviously didn't return Huang came off the bench to score in one of those I think in, in that game as well so people are looking at him as an option but basically what's happening right now so Antonio's injured um, DCL, also out for two to three weeks, apparently, with a broken toe. Um, Ings got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Everton, Man United, Tottenham. They're not the easiest of games, though you could. I mean, after they won 7-2, you could expect reasonably Aston Villa to score against anyone uh, any time after they beat Liverpool 7-2 last year, um, although they are a different team now. A lot of people were moving on from Antonio. A lot of people are moving on from DCL. They're looking at players like Jimenez and Bamford. And... Bamford has actually got a couple of decent returns this season. Jimenez hasn't at all. I think that this is a really interesting point in the season now where people are going for a, a fixtures over form sort of didgeridoo. Um, I have had Jimenez the whole time. I've actually, and I, this isn't really a spoiler, I've traded in, Ings in for Bamford already uh, and I feel like I'm in a good spot. We'll talk about that later. I'm, I'm on board with this, picking players with good fixtures over form 
I don't know. I don't know about it. I wanted to see what you thought about that too, because I don't. I've never. I've never even heard the name Jimenez Partial Lips Jack on this podcast. Is it even someone like? Is it something you even think about? Is it someone to think about if, if he hasn't even dashed a dashed a hint of return? Are you even considering him? I I think with the likes of Jimenez, certainly at the moment, you know, it's 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 all well and good having you know that attacking style of football that Bruno Lager likes to play, and you know seeing them play week in week out it, they, they look good on the eye and the chances are coming for him I think it's just trying to wait until he does actually pop in a goal or two I think very much with Jimenez it will be a you know opening of the floodgates so to speak and I think that once he gets a one goal it will breathe confidence back into him obviously coming off the back of you know missing out the entirety pretty much of, of last season due to his head injury and I think it is going to take him some time to hit the ground running but as you say I think that the, the Wolves fixtures certainly take a turn for the good as do the Leeds fixtures as you say I think I'm probably more worried about not owning Bamford than I would be about not owning Jimenez just because as you say we've seen some kind of end product from Bamford so far this season picking up a goal and an assist in the first four for him um, so I'm not too worried about Wolves, ass- Wolves assets at the moment I think if I was to go with any Wolves attacking asset, then I would certainly have to go with Jimenez. I don't think the likes of Adamo Traore or, or Trincao are quite there just yet. Um, I think Podence might be just around the corner for a return, and I think that that will certainly hinder the likes of uh, Trincao. Um, I think that Adamo Traore, you know, you know what you're getting with him and, and the bursts of pace that you can get with him. And I know how Nuno liked to use him off of the bench, but I think that he is more of a first-team player now with Lager at the helm. Uh, yeah, I just I just think that if I was to go with a Wolves attacking asset, then it would have to be Jimenez. I am more interested in the Wolves' defence, however, because I think that they they have looked good defensively. Obviously, in the first, what is it, in the first three games, they lost them 1-0, and they were very unlucky not to score in any of those games. And they, they came up against tough opposition, you know. It wasn't the easiest of starts for that Wolves side. And I think for them to, uh, you know, come away with a 2-0 victory uh, on the weekend, it was very good and it will do their confidence a world of good. But I I definitely think that if I was targeting any kind of Wolves asset at the moment, it would be a defender. Um, I think, as you say, with Leeds, Bamford is one that I'm looking at as a potential option if something was to happen to uh, the likes of Antonio. I mean, I would have to maybe find a bit of extra money uh, just to upgrade him, as it were. But Bamford is definitely someone who is... uh, Got me interested and we'll see now, you know, Leeds and Wolves didn't have the best set of opening fixtures. But now for both of them, it does sort of take a, a turn for the good. And, and, you know, you look at that Leeds attack as well and they are, we, we know what you're getting with with Marcelo Bielsa and Bielsa ball, as they call it in Leeds. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm happy to hold on to Rafinha for now. I think still 6.5, especially with these fixtures, he is absolute no brainer in my team. Um, I do, of course, have Ailing as well, and and you know Leeds haven't looked great defensively, but he is uh he's occupying that that fourth defender spot at the moment. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how the next few games go for both Wolves and Leeds, but I'm not I'm not getting itchy fingers just yet. Because this is interesting, because I feel like I played you a bit there. I wanted to I wanted to bait you into saying that you were gonna you were thinking about players with good fixtures over form. I wanted to see if you'd go for it because. It was leading into something. It was leading into the fact that there are two strikers in the league at the moment who do have the form, who both came back to the league. Well, actually, it wasn't a debut for one of them, but it was obviously a debut for a certain man. 
And they both got a brace and they both are now screaming, pick me as a fantasy option. People are ripping up their teams to get them in. I'm, of course, talking about Lukaku and Ronaldo, who um, Lukaku got two goals in a 3-0 thrashing of Aston Villa, where Aston Villa were the better team for large parts of the game against Chelsea. And Ronaldo got two goals against Newcastle, where Newcastle were never the better team for any part of the game against Manchester United. Um, as you said, Bruno picked up the other goal and Lingard Lingard came off the bench to score as well, didn't he? He's not he's not someone we think about anymore. Those are the two who have the form. Those are the two who have slightly worse fixtures. I know that I think I think both of them have yeah. Well, Chelsea have got Spurs, which might be considered harder, and Man City coming up. Uh, United in a sort of a further distance have Liverpool quite quickly on the horizon. So that it's not they're not in the clear. But um, boy, they they look good. They look really good, and um. If you're not looking at the players who have the good fixtures, Jack, are you looking at the players who have the form? Are you looking at Lukaku or Ronaldo and you're looking at them with green, big green eyes, looking at your Bruno Fernandes and thinking about downgrading him and upgrading your Antonio? I think it was certainly a uh, certainly something that was in mind going into game week four. Obviously, there was a lot of, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of people activating their wildcards during the international break, a lot of people moving to the likes of Lukaku or Ronaldo and Perhaps in you know hindsight's a wonderful thing, and and I wish that I could have done that because you know it it would have meant that I would have downgraded Fernandez to one of these other sort of cheap enabling midfielders who's been doing okay, someone like a Gray or, or a Gallagher over the last few weeks, and then you know that would have put me in good stead, um, and I potentially might have even outscored you. But you know it's one of those ones where I'm looking at it now, and I think a lot of it, a lot of people are definitely you know. The, the people who haven't activated their wildcard and who are looking at an optimal time to activate a wildcard are, are looking at either Game Week 7 or Game Week 8 because Game Week 7 is, of course, when Chelsea's fixtures take a turn for the good. They face the likes of Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley and Leicester all between Game Week 7 and Game Week 12. So six very winnable fixtures. It's arguably the best run that Chelsea are going to have all season. I mean, maybe later on down the line towards the end of the season, they, they will uh, have it a bit better but then again you know if they're going to be competing on all fronts this season they're going to have to take into account you know defending their Champions League crown etc I do think that Lukaku is very appetizing as is Ronaldo as well you know for me I think you know I was sort of playing around with the idea of is there a way to bring in Ronaldo Lukaku and Salah and I think that there is there definitely is a way of doing that but I think that other areas of the team definitely take too much of a hit that I'm comfortable with um, I think that it will leave you sort of a bare bones at the back, as it were. You know, you'd have to go with two 4.0 defenders. You'd have to have, I mean, Trent would be that mainstay in a lot of the defences that I would be seeing, but it would mean that you'd have Trent partnered with two playing 4.5s and then, I guess, playing 4.0s who may come off the bench here and there. So I, I think that going with three premiums maybe makes the team a bit imbalanced, as it were. I'm definitely looking at one of them going into... The next, sort certainly the next uh, couple of fixtures, and you know, as I say, that there are, there are definitely arguments for and against both of them. Um, I think, yeah, certainly for me, when you look at the fixtures, and, and as you said, you know, although Chelsea play Spurs on the weekend, I don't think necessarily that's a tough fixture. I mean, they've got a few injuries in the back line. Yes, I get it. You know, Palace scored all three of their goals after Tanganga got sent off for Spurs, but. I still do think that it makes a you know it 
that Spurs side, I think that Lukaku can definitely act as that spearhead in that Chelsea attack once again. And, and there's absolutely no reason why he can't grab a couple of goals against a, a relatively depleted Spurs side. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point in the season, it's it's definitely silly not to go with at least one premium strike. I don't think anyone at the moment is looking at Harry Kane. He hasn't hit the ground running, as a lot of people would have thought he would have done after he committed a future for this season, at least to playing for Spurs. But um, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why at some point in the future, Kane can't come into our thinking. But I think for now, it has to be one of Ronaldo or Lukaku. Or if you're feeling brave and if you're feeling bold, as I say, I mean, why not go for for having a, a premium free of Ronaldo, Lukaku and Salah? But I'm, I'm not quite at that point yet. Oh, you're not feeling brave or bold. I actually sort of had you as someone who might be feeling brave or bold, Jack. I, I thought I thought you might have gone for a premium strike. Well, I thought you might have gone for two premium strikers, but it sounds like you've actually gone for one, which I'll ask you about in a bit, because there's still there's still one more result I want to talk about. We've hinted at the United game. I think we've basically covered it all there, unless you had something to add. Uh, similar to the Chelsea game, where Aston Villa are the better team for large parts of the game, but... Kovacic, who's not an asset at all, decided to pop up and get the other goal and an assist <laughs> and a, a man-of-the-match performance, I think, as well, um, people have been calling it. I'm not such a fan. And um, Arsenal, obviously, eventually got a win. They, they, they won 1-0 against Norwich, where they had sieged the goal for large parts of the game, I think is the best way to describe it. I think Aubameyang could have scored a couple more on his day. Uh, Tierney could have got a couple of assists on his day. It wasn't to beat. The other game, the, the last game, the game that's important to me um, to think about here is, is Leicester versus Man City as well, where, where Man City did win 1-0, I think, in the end. And I don't know, while you were talking, I was thinking about this, and it's completely different. I think every week I'm going to ask you, if I can, Man City assets and as a question. And every week we, you're going to say to me, oh, I don't know, rotation. <laughs> and frankly, that is probably the, the right answer. But I'm for, fine with that. The questions I ask is, what's going on at Leicester? Why have we, we've not had a single conversation, Jack, you and I, on any of these podcasts, as far as I can remember, about Leicester assets. Loads of people online seem to have owned Harvey Barnes for some reason for like huge parts, that, well, for most of the season so far, they've held him and held him and held him while he's returned blank after blank after blank after blank now. Um, Iannaccio is not even getting a look in. I think it's, I think it's madness. I think whatever is happening at Leicester Football Club seems to be quite negative and quite poor. Um, I, that's my question. My question is simply Leicester dot dot dot. But specifically, like we haven't considered them. Is Vardy an option? Is, is Barnes an option? Do, do you care about any Leicester assets? Because everyone else seems to. We just have got our own little bubble going on and we haven't even thought about them. Uh, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think for me, I think Vardy is maybe out of the picture at the moment. Certainly, as, as we've discussed with the likes of Lukaku and Ronaldo, I think a lot of people had Vardy in their teams at the start of the season as sort of a semi-placeholder for one of these big strikers. As soon as we knew that Lukaku was uh, transferred across to, to Chelsea, then we sort of, uh, I think a lot of people were looking at him. And then, of course, with the announcement of Ronaldo, I think a lot of people now are, are certainly looking and, and turning their attention to the likes of Lukaku and, and Ronaldo. You know, it just, it's, it's just one of them ones, you know, where Leicester will, I, I think Leicester will probably slowly go under everyone's radar but I, I'm not I'm not feeling the hype from Leicester, certainly not over the opening four weeks. I've not really seen anything that has excited me about them. Yes, OK, you know, so they got a 2-1 win away from home against Norwich, but that's not it's not anything uh, exciting. I mean, the fact that Norwich were able to score from them, and yes, I get it, it was a pooky penalty, but 
I don't think there's anything about that Leicester side that excites me at the moment. I think I'm a bit annoyed or upset. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's a bit annoying given that, you know, Iheanacho isn't really getting the game time that we saw him get towards the end of last season. You know, when Barnes was out, they they switched to, you know, a 3-5-2 or, or 4-4-2, whatever you want to call it. And, and they had Iheanacho playing up alongside the likes of Jamie Vardy for large periods. And I think that worked out well. Um, and, and I'm a bit annoyed that they haven't gone back to doing that because that looked great. And I think that at that point then, you know, the likes of Iheanacho definitely becomes an option. I think as well, in a similar vein to, to West Ham, you know, they are in the Europa League. They are playing tonight at home against Napoli. So it's one of those where I don't think the Leicester players have excited me that much. I think if you're a Barnes owner, if you still have Barnes for whatever reason, then it's 100% get rid. I think that there are other players in and around that price bracket who can do you a job, if not a better job, than what Barnes has been doing. Um, so I think, yeah, if you've got Barnes, maybe he was a punt for the first couple of weeks of the season, but... Is not for me, and and like I say, I mean, none of those Leicester attacking assets really excite me at the moment. Which which is mad. It's actually just mad considering that they've got players like Madison Barnes, yeah, who who we considered for like definitely at points last season, definitely maybe in preseason. But yeah, I think it would solve a lot of people's problems if Ayanacho was available, wouldn't it? There's a lot of people who are having to pick Jimenez. And they're doing what I've done as a as a Jimenez owner by going, oh, look at the fixtures. And look, he's created the third most chances of any player in the league in the last. It doesn't matter. He hasn't he hasn't really done it enough for me. Um, I'm just keeping him because I'm patient. That's what I'm doing, effectively. You're you're keeping him because your squad is called the Jimenez Erection. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jimenez, Jimenez Erection. Yeah, that's that's sort of it as well, Jack. I don't. Do I have a choice? Could I sell him? Do you think if I sold him, it would be it'd be too much? Gosh, it'd be blasphemy. It would be blasphemy. And I haven't sold him this week. Um, I, I've, of course, gone Ings to Bamford, as I said, because I'm playing a fixtures game. I'm trying to set my team up. Well, I've got another free transfer that I'm just hanging on to because I've got nothing to do with it um, and and rolling with it. And I'm very, very happy with where my team's at. I'll be probably, I don't know, we'll talk about captaincy later. And it's easy for me, whereas I know that it ain't so easy for you. Um, do you want to talk me through sort of your thoughts, what you've been doing with your team, what you're thinking about? I mean, you actually said before we started recording that uh, you, you were on the edge. You were on the edge. And and one more thing could really push you over to breaking point and you could even play your wild card. Um, what, what, what's going through your mind? What are your thoughts so far, Jack? Well, go, going from my head at the moment is obviously, you know, I want to have one premium striker. I want to have either Ronaldo or Lukaku, who we've talked extensively about enough times already on, on this podcast. And there's absolutely no doubt why uh, future episodes won't, of course, include more talk about one or the other, because I think that they are going to be the the two players at the end of the season, you know, fighting with the likes of Salah uh, for that golden boot. Um, I, I'm sort of, I'm actually fairly happy with where my team is at. I just feel like, certainly with a lot of the, a lot of these fixture swings that are happening at the moment, and there's a lot of, Teams who sort of find themselves coming up against tougher fixtures, teams that are you know had have had a tough start to the season. That now it gets better for them. The aforementioned Wolves and of course Leeds as well. Um, I think that there are just a few changes that I would I would like to make, but I'm trying to sort of uh, hold out on on using my wild card. I, I don't I don't think necessarily there is a perfect time to activate a wild card, and I think you know 
any time between now and the midpoint of the season is definitely you know a good time to activate your wildcard I think it is very much based on the circumstance that you find yourself in and, and, and how your team looks and you know if you run into it if you have a team that looks like it's you know full of players that are underperforming full of players who perhaps may be injured or, or you know suspended for a few games then I think that it's an opportune time to activate your wildcard I of course only really have the Antonio concern in my team at the moment and as I mentioned earlier you know I'm I'm sort of happy to to hold on to him um you know I know that he's going to get a a rest against that United side and I don't think that he would have uh, reaped the rewards against that United defense anyway so I'm happy to have him on my bench um I think certainly game week six against Leeds you know Leeds as I mentioned earlier one of one of if not the worst defense in terms of you know con- chances conceded and, and you know shots and all of that sort of stuff I think that Leeds are are there for the taking and I think that Antonio could perform well against Leeds I think certainly after that, you know, they do have a decent run of fixtures, as it were. But I'm always keeping half an eye on the Europa League and, and the fixture congestion that is incoming for, for West Ham. And I mean, I hate to say it, but probably the best thing that could happen for West Ham, certainly from an FBL point of view, would be for them to get knocked out of the Europa League. And, and obviously, I don't want to, to wish that upon them. I think if they finish third in the Europa League, they might even go down to the Europa Conference League, I think it's called. Um, which again, I, it's whatever. Um, I don't really care about that that competition. So yeah, I don't know. I think Antonio, as I say, is, is a hold for now because I sort of have other areas of the team that I wanted to to take care of. So yeah, that's that's where my head's at. I've not I've not quite been pushed to activate the wild card, but I think that it will be happening imminently. Amazing, amazing. I'm I'm pumped about it. I I I, I do love a wild card. I do love a wild card. Um, what? So you say I feel like you're being quite cryptic about the other areas of your team <laughs> you've you've got to take care of. Do do you want to spill the beans, Jackie? Are you ready to to do a big reveal? I've got I could I could maybe do a drum roll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. So there there are some areas that I've left unchanged. Um, you know, my my defenders are all pretty much the same. I'm I'm sort of glad that I've got Livramento in there, and I obviously did the move from Simicast to Livramento, which earlier in the season was a bit of a sideways move, but now Livramento doesn't look like he's going to get much of a looking in that uh, in that Liverpool defence, certainly with the Premier League, and and I think that Robertson will definitely be starting the majority of those games, and of course Livramento is there as sort of a, a player who can come off the bench, and again, who knows, maybe down the line. Robertson gets injured out for an extended period of time, then I think that uh, not Liverman, uh, then I think that Simicast is definitely a, a player who comes in to to everyone's thoughts again, and and certainly, you know, he's going to be a player who uh, is yeah, as I say, on the front of everyone's lips. So I'm, I'm happy with my way where my defence is. You know, still got Trent and Shaw in there with Ben White and, and Luke Ayling. Um So the moves that I have made, and I have taken a minus four for the first time this season oh ho, ho, it's nice and and it was mainly look it was mainly because the way that I had my team set up obviously I made uh the transfer last week to bring Jotter in for the likes of Hingman Son um and which actually paid off because Son obviously didn't feature and and you know I, I don't know how much he would have uh impacted that game against Palace since they went down to 10 men um but I have made two changes to my team and it is, of course, Bruno Fernandes who, who has had to make way to allow me to bring in Cristiano Ronaldo into that attacking line. And look, I get it. You know, there, there's, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many pros and cons for Lukaku and Ronaldo. 
I, I think having Ronaldo in there as the most expensive player in the game right now enables me to go down to the likes of Lukaku. Whereas if I had Lukaku in now and say if I wanted to bring in Ronaldo at a later point in the season, I, I would find it perhaps a bit more difficult to do so. So I feel like I put myself in a position where when the Chelsea fixture swing comes, then it's a lot easier for me to downgrade Ronaldo to the likes of Lukaku because, of course, on the flip side of Chelsea's fixtures getting better, you alluded to it earlier. I mean, game week eight, they got Leicester away. Uh, this is Man United. Game week eight, Leicester away, Liverpool at home in game week nine, then Tottenham away, City at home. Then, of course, Watford in, in game week 12, but, and then Chelsea away from home in game week 13. So there are tough fixtures on the horizon for Man United. And then, I mean, to be fair... Again, it's, it's sort of a, a perfect flip-flop between the likes of Lukaku and Ronaldo, really, because when Lukaku's fixtures sort of don't or aren't as green on the fixture difficulty rating, you look at United's fixtures, I mean, from game week 14 all the way game, down to game week 27, the toughest team that they face. I mean, arguably, you'd have to say West Ham. I mean, they've got Arsenal in game week 14 and then West Ham in game week 23. But, I mean, between those sort of, what is it, 14, 13 game weeks. It's a sea of green and I think it's a perfect opportunity to, you know, flip-flop between the likes of Lukaku and Ronaldo. So I feel like going with Ronaldo, the sort of high that he's on at the moment, yes, United were, well, let's be honest, they, they were unfortunate to, to lose midweek against the young boys of Bern um, in the Champions League. Um, but of course, Ronaldo picked up yet another goal and it was a sumptuous pass into him from Bruno Fernandes. So, you know, Ronaldo getting three goals in two games for United in all competitions. It looks like he's ready and raring to go. And, you know, you see all of these uh, all of these stories talking about how the boys in the dressing room now are a bit scared to touch their apple pudding or, or chocolate brownies or whatever they have for whatever they used to have for dessert after their uh, after their meals. So I feel like he's instilling that he knows that he wants to be healthy and, and he's still at the peak of his fitness, despite the fact that he's, you know, 36, almost 37. I think he turns 37 early next year. So I feel like he's definitely one of the players I wanted to have in my team. And maybe it's a week late. Maybe I've missed out on the Ronaldo double digit haul that I'm going to get over the next uh, couple of weeks. But hey, ho, we'll deal with it and we move on. To supplement this, I've downgraded Fernandez down to Ferran Torres. Oh, I thought you might have. I thought you might have done this. So to answer your question about Manchester City and you know Pep Roulette and whatever, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It is very much a gamble, and I think that it's a gamble that I'm willing to take. You know, I think that if I was to go with anyone in that in that City side who isn't. Kevin De Bruyne at the moment, it would be Ferran Torres, um, and I've gone with him. Um, I think it was uh, definitely good to see KDB back into that side uh, in the Champions League yesterday against uh, RB Leipzig. So I do think that it's uh, it's interesting to see Kevin De Bruyne back. He obviously didn't play the entire game, but he played the majority of it. He played uh, sort of similar minutes to the likes of Ferran Torres. I'm, I'm hoping that Ferran Torres will be back in action for them this weekend. And of course, it's a very favourable fixture for Manchester City at home at the Etihad uh, against Southampton. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm hyped. If he doesn't start, then obviously you are going to be bombarded with messages and, and I'll probably, you know, just activate my wild I'm giving card. Up. <laughs> I'm giving up. It's too much. It's basically what was what is going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm taking a punt. I know Jesus didn't start in the game yesterday. And I know that he came off the bench uh, for the last sort of uh, 10 minutes or so. Um, and he did pick up a goal. 
Um, but I know that he has sort of been playing a bit wider on the right-hand side as well in the league and to, to, to allow Ferran Torres to play through the middle. So it's a bit of a punt, and I and I admit that. But it's a, it's, it's a gamble that I'm willing to take, you know. I mean, I was also looking at Jack Grealish because I think that, you know, £100 million man, you don't sign him for nothing. And I, I think that, if anything, he's probably that player who is going to be uh, nailed on more if not the same amount as Kevin De Bruyne is in that side regardless of competition so I think it was also good to see Phil Foden back as well who obviously got substituted on for Kevin De Bruyne so it does feel as if Manchester City are potentially pushing on full fitness again um yeah I mean Cancelo picking up a goal as well against Leipzig who I know you know a player that I know that you are a big fan of and potentially looking at as a player to bring into your defense as well so I've taken a gamble on that Manchester City line. Uh, what it does mean is that I'm going into game week five with a 4-5-1 formation, which I don't really know how I feel about. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm holding on to Antonio and I've got a 4.5 Perica, who I don't even think is actually in the game anymore. You know, I don't think you can actually transfer him into your team anymore. So he's just there on the bench doing whatever and, and you know, saving me money, who, again, you know, hindsight, would have had me starting the season with a three-four-three formation rather than a three-five-two, but again, it's one of those I've got. I've got five in midfield, and maybe two of them are, are potential rotation risks in the likes of Torres and Jota because we still don't know about Firmino. We don't know how long he's going to be out for and, and whether or not he comes back into that side against Palace. But you know, there, there's every chance that the likes of Mane gets dropped for for Jota. So yeah, I'm 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 happy with it. I didn't want to take a minus four, but I feel like it was maybe a bit of a a knee-jerk set of transfers, um, and, and I'm certainly going to be a bit more patient now moving forward. It's it's honestly lovely to hear because um, <laughs> because because you've had such a good start that I was worrying that you were just going to keep flying. And it's nice that you've got a bit of a struggle. You've got decisions to make. You've gone for Luka- uh, for, for Ronaldo over Lukaku, which I fully expected. And I I know that there's a lot of talk, and I'm thinking the same thing here about hitting those fixture swings well. So getting Lukaku in for seven and then getting Ronaldo in for 14, I think that's quite a popular opinion if you're looking ahead. Something that I believe in as well. I believe in getting the, the right premiums in for the right fixtures. Um, it's, it's something that has been statistically proven to work if you can do it well. Uh, well, even if you do it badly, it's been, it's been proven to work and to get you points um, if you target people in the right way and don't waste too many transfers on it. So keen to do that too, Jack. I'm keen to do it too. Although, uh, if Lukaku keeps scoring, as again, he also scored last night in the Champions League, or two nights ago in the Champions League, then it'll be very hard to drop the guy, won't it? It could be that we talk about this in a couple of weeks' time. We're talking about wildcarding Salah out and getting both of the boys in. I love how complicated your decisions are already and love how much you're struggling with things. And I love the fact that you've got in Torres. The guy, <laughs> he's good. Like, what can I say? He is good. Um, and if he He's was good when he nine, plays. He's good when he yeah, plays. Like, and if he was a false nine for City, he'd be in everyone's team, right? It's the same with Jota. You mentioned it. like, uh, and, and Greenwood for me. I've got Jota and Greenwood who are doing very similar roles to, the, to, to what Torres is doing for you, I suppose. And, and it's hard. Um, it'll be very interesting to see if he does manage to start. I think I agree that Grealish might be the one to pick. I'm watching him. I'm seeing his games. He also scored last night in the Champions League. I think that Grealish could be an absolutely bombastic pick coming up if... Um, if he does prove to be nailed for City, which he might be. Although I don't think the price tag is the reason he'll be nailed. I think he'll be nailed because he's 
Jack Grealish, and he's actually quite a good footballer. I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard? Jack Grealish is quite good. Um, and man, I'm pumped to see how it plays out, Jack. There's a chance that in tw- 30 weeks' time, I'll overtake you, which is what I want. <laughs> and playing that long game with those with those premium transfers that I'm thinking about. I think we'll quickly highlight the games that are happening this week, and then afterwards, well, I'll ask you a question. Uh, the question is obviously, who's your captain going to be? And I... I think it's easy for me. I think it's a piece of cake. I just say Salah, he's playing at home to Crystal Palace, easy captain decision. I think it's harder for you because, as you mentioned, Man City, with their with with a very easy fixture at home to Southampton, who have conceded a lot of shots this, so far, who have looked very, very shaky in defence, could be could be a potential Torres captain. Um, the rest of the fixtures uh, are the, on Friday, so an early deadline this week. Newcastle play Leeds. Uh, bring it on, Bamford and Rafinha is what I say. You say bring on Rafinha only. Um, Saturday, Wolves play your new favourite club, Brentford. Burnley play <laughs> Arsenal. Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace. Man City home to Southampton. The two home games that we're interested in for the captaincy decision. Um, Norwich are at home to Watford. And Aston Villa are up at home to Everton. Uh, what, what do they call that? They call it like the Battle of the Kazoo sponsorship or something. Because <laughs> they're both... I was checking out a table. This time last season, Everton were top of the league. Um, and Aston Villa were close behind them. Everton have actually only dropped two points so far this season, which is madness, if you ask me, with a draw to Leeds. So keep an eye on Everton there. Rafa Benitez doing some hot stuff there. And then on Sunday, Brighton at home to Leicester, who I imagine um, will score six goals. Harvey Barnes contributing in all of them, uh, driving everyone crazy. Um, West Ham, obviously, at home to Man United. And Spurs are at home to Chelsea. So those are the fixtures that make Ronaldo and Lukaku look a little less appealing. Um, I've already talked through my captaincy decision. It's a piece of cake for me. I'm picking Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace because bloody hell, how how it couldn't get better than that for me. But you have a decision to make, Jack. Well, how are you leaning at the moment? Risky or, or risk averse? I, I don't know where you're getting this hard decision nonsense hard decision i i I, I honestly don't know where you're coming from with that because obviously it's salah at home to palace it's it's obviously always going to be on it's it's always been on salah at home to palace you know looking at that fixture and and the history that salah has with that fixture he loves scoring against palace and i think it was last season as well this was the fixture where going into the game i had you know there were rumors about salah being benched he was benched. I didn't captain him for that specific reason. He came off the bench, scored two goals, punished me. Now, I'm not saying that Salah is going to be benched to start this game because I've not heard anything about that. And I would assume that, you know, coming out of their 3-2 victory midweek in the Champions League and, you know, he came out of it unscathed, then I would assume that he would be playing in this one. And, and as I say, he likes to score against Palace. And it's at home at Anfield. I mean, really, for me, the tougher decision would be between Salah or Jota, um, because I think that they both have, you know, good opportunities to score here. And I think that Jota, if he does start, has got a very good opportunity to score against his Palace side. So, yeah, for me, it's been a no-brainer. It's it's Salah with the captain's armband. Torres does have the vice-captain's armband um, at the moment, because, as you say, I mean, I think... Southampton looked depleted and, and you know maybe maybe Torres will come back to bite me but hey I'm, I'm I'm glad to have him if he you know bangs another two goals and gets an assist or two I'd, I'd be more than happy to own him um, and not captain him so for me it's easy armband on Salah so there's not really too much debate about it I'm, I'm hoping that 
I'm hoping that Ronaldo can still produce the goods away from home. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I think certainly after this fixture away from home against uh, West Ham, they do then host Aston Villa at home at Old Trafford. So, yeah, I, I think that Ronaldo is definitely a, a, a shoo-in for the captaincy option uh, for me in game week six at the moment. Um, and then, of course, the United fixtures maybe take a bit of a, a turn for the worst. And, and, yeah, I mean, thinking forward, I'm, I'm maybe going to be uh, looking at dropping Ronaldo down to Lukaku as I alluded to earlier um, maybe not in game week seven you talked about how much you love international breaks it looks like there's another one on the horizon um, or it might be a cup break I don't know but certainly a two-week break between game week seven and game week eight so I think you know going into game week eight is maybe the the optimal time to sort of uh, activate the wildcard chip and uh, sort of uh, reinvigorate the team as it were oh Jack I'm hoping that before the end of Friday before the deadline I can maybe talk you into captaining Torres a bit more because I think it'd be good. Think about how brave it would look to the fans, Jack, or, or how how much it would, how genius you would look if it came off. Think about that. Think about that. I I don't care. Don't, doesn't care. <laughs> I, doesn't I, care. I, I really doesn't don't care. care. It's Salah at home. It has to be Salah. Do you know? And I think it's more in keeping with the fact that if you don't captain Salah at home, then you are taking, you know, you're, you're going to be lo- every point that Salah gets, you're 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 losing two points essentially is what I think it will amount to. And I think that yes, okay, the likes of Ronaldo and, and Lukaku, I think that they will still perhaps be captained by a lot of people uh, going into this weekend. Um, but I just think you can't really look past the likes of Salah. Certainly, you know, if I if I had Lukaku, I would maybe be half tempted into captaining him against this uh, weakened Spurs side, but. For me, I just can't see past Salah at the moment. Oh, Jack, that's disappointing. But I, I respect the honesty. I respect the fact that you're just trying to play a clean, honest game of FPL. No no cheating, no high-risk, high-reward strategies. Because obviously you know that if Salah blanked and Torres slammed, it prob- you'd probably just make it to overall number one. That's what I'm saying, Jack. Think about that. Think about that. But um, it's something I'll have to try and press you into thinking about <laughs> over the coming... Not- not a chance. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope people were able to join us next week where we'll be listening to Jack talk about how he wishes that he'd Captain Torres. I will bang on a lot about Jimenez's underlying stats and how they surely mean he'll score eventually. And um, we'll, we'll be talking about how the Arsenal defence is probably essential as well, I expect, after they assumingly keep a clean sheet against Burnley again. So, uh, as always, it's goodbye for me. Thank you very much for being here, Jack. Been a pleasure as always.